We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel thanks for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals podcast at gmail.com that's the confessionals podcast at gmail.com or go to the website the confessionals hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me now, we just got done doing our monthly patrons episode where the patrons got a chance to call into the show live and talk to me and the guest. It was a lot of fun. And if you want, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals. That's patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron and support the show. And there you'll be able to listen to today's show and all the archive shows from before. Now, this week's Patreon shoutouts is Nate B, Susie J, Jamie C, Renee I, Mimi P, Mike K, William S and Michael S. Thank you very much for going to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and signing up to become a patron. It means a lot to me and it helps support the show immensely. Now for this week's iTunes ratings and reviews, if you go to iTunes and leave a rating and review, I will give you a shout out on the following week's show. So this week's shout outs is Dalincia, Ghost Magnet, Sandy Sucks, J-Hop2, Hip167, 503 Dozer, Deb Deb 1967, Wolfman F14, and Bukowski. Thanks for going to iTunes and leaving that rating and review. It helps the show a ton on iTunes, grow in the charts, and get more listeners. So thank you very much. Now, for this week's show, we have Kevin Makeley coming on, and Kevin Makeley starred and helped produce. 
the movie Big Legend. It's a Bigfoot movie coming out July 3rd. I highly recommend people going and checking it out. It's going to be on iTunes, Amazon, and a lot of other places. He'll talk about it on the show. And then after we hear from Kevin, we're going to bring on Andy, who had a very unique UFO encounter. In fact, it was one of the more unique UFO encounters I've ever heard because it happened in front of so many people. So we're going to bring on Kevin and Andy right after this. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. I have Kevin Makeley, and Kevin actually is the star of a new Bigfoot movie coming out called Big Legend. It's going to be airing on July 3rd. Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So uh, I actually got the chance to watch this movie early and stuff to check it out. And I'm telling you, like this movie was uh, really well done. I mean, there's an actual storyline to it and stuff, and uh, there's action. It's just really a good job. So, uh, you know, how did this whole idea of the movie come about? I, I came about, a, well, first and foremost, I'm a, a Bigfoot believer. <laughs> we okay. get into that yeah. in a little bit. Uh, but my producing and writing partner, who's also the director, Justin Lee, uh, he's he's a skeptic. So <laughs> we we have one of those. Uh, uh, well, it, it's an all love relationship, but we often butt heads a lot, especially you know, and especially in our professional relationship. But I get a lot of uh, flack for my my belief in in, in these things, and uh, uh, you know, it's something that I, I keep very close to the best, and I and. And I talk about it a lot in my, I, I had a Bigfoot experience at one point in my life and actually kind of two. And, uh, you know, and, and I, every time that we were with somebody, I would talk about it and, uh, get made fun of a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And, yeah. uh, but you know, with all my poking and prodding and talking about it all the time and my conviction about it, uh, you know, it kind of sparked this whole, um, why don't we do a movie about Bigfoot? And, you know, he didn't really want to entertain it so much in the beginning. And then the more we talked about making it a, a, a practical creature feature and having a real story, you know, based, you know, around Bigfoot, I should say, you know, that uh, the more that he could he could wrap his head around uh, around the idea of, of shooting a practical creature feature and using Bigfoot as the as the creature. And uh, he loves that kind of stuff. So he wrote this story based on. I wouldn't say it's based on my experience, but per se of the experience I had, but it was, it was spawned from the experience and the stories that I tell. And, uh, he wrote this great story, but he used a lot of elements from, you know, I, I don't want to give away too much of the movie or maybe we can talk about it or whatever, but I, I almost proposed to my now wife in the same fashion, which, you know, happens in the story, oh, wow. in the film, and, uh, you know, a lot of the elements that you see setting up camp and, and doing the camping that happens in the beginning of the film is all is really was just me doing me. So a lot of it is based on me, uh, me as the character. And, and then we developed this whole Bigfoot story around it and he turned it into this really cool, you know, not just about the creatures, but the struggle and the survival and looking for answers, not just answers on, you know, I'm curious, I want to see big, but Bigfoot, but answers on what, you know, what, what happened and in this, in the movie. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of came about in a roundabout way. 
Yeah, you know, I could definitely tell that somebody knew what they were talking about when it came to Bigfoot, when it came to the production of the movie, because there are things inside the movie that only people who follow the topic of Bigfoot would know to put in the movie. And so, like, I, when I saw certain things that were popping up in the movie, I was like, wow, somebody, whoever was involved in making this movie uh, actually either you know is a fan of bigfoot or at least really did look into it because there are things that you know people talk about bigfoot doing and stuff that actually happened in the movie and i was like wow it's really a good touch because it actually gives you know the people who actually follow the topic uh something to grab a hold of They're like yeah i know about that you know so i i think it was a really well done movie and i think a lot of people are going to really enjoy it within the bigfoot community and outside the bigfoot community Oh, cool. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, touching on that subject, uh, again, my, my writing partner or the writer of the film, Justin Lee, he's a uh, we do a lot of uh, genre based stuff. Uh, Westerns, are, you know, is a big thing. We have two Westerns under our belt already, and he's very into World War Two and keeping everything factual. He's, he's very into history and uh, especially American history. And he always fact checks everything. So when we went and moved into this Bigfoot story, you know, this this was on me. I, I don't say it was on me. I wrote it, but I needed to make sure all the elements that that's what I wanted to bring to this story as a Bigfoot believer and and a fan uh, of Bigfoot himself. I I wanted to make sure that we had the you know tree knocking and 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 stacked up rocks, upside down trees. The, you know the the stories, and it wasn't this wanted wanted to base it in as much and not saying factual evidence, obviously. You can't say that, right? Because, but, right. but, and <laughs> what's out there is what's believed this fact, or at least what's the evidence that people are seeing and hearing. Uh, what are things that I saw and heard, in, you know, in in my travels and you know, as in in my real life, uh, you know, what are we putting in there? So that was very important to me. So we added those elements to the story for sure. We wanted to keep it as as real as possible, you know, within the mythology of Bigfoot, right. Sure. And I think you did a great job. I really do. And and just the way that the movie unfolds and stuff, it really helps draw the people into the storyline. The way you guys started out the movie really helped uh, bring in the emotion as to later on in the movie as to what how things un, you know unfold and things like that. And uh, the the very ending of the movie was awesome too. Uh, it gives a lot of people uh, excitement. Let's just put it that way. So uh, I highly recommend people checking this out. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Kevin, you, you mentioned about your own personal experiences and stuff. So uh, is your personal experience really kind of what jumped you into the topic of Bigfoot? Or were you kind of like, you know, an enthusiast of Bigfoot before your own personal experience? And what was your experience? You know, I, I, I'm on the, I consider myself a very open minded person. So I, you know, as far as even aliens or anything goes, I, I, you know, I'm not so small minded to believe that we, uh, you know, everything that exists we've seen and that's out there. So I always have an, an, an open mind about all these things and, and open to the poss- possibilities I'll say. But sure. I, so before my experience, I never really thought about it too much as far as, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have Bigfoot on the brain and I had a, an encounter, uh, which we can get into if, if you like, uh, Absolutely. uh, but I, it was before, you know, finding Bigfoot and all the shows on Bigfoot before it was really pop culture, uh, just before really, I mean, it happened about nine years ago. Uh, in the uh, the base of uh, the Sierra 
a mountain range that, you know, the Sierra Nevada mountains in Southern California. Sure. And I was on a rafting trip with uh, my brother and two friends. We were on an overnight rafting trip and there were other people involved. Uh, but you know, you, you stop at a predetermined spot on the Kern river and, uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of people involved, but we decided to camp, you know, set up our camp away from everybody else. So I kind of went up this, up the, the riverbed, it's kind of, you know, it goes pretty steep within the, the valley of these mountains. And I went about as far away from everybody as I could, my brother and my two friends, and we camped on the, the base of this bluff, about 15, 20 feet, the, you know, the base of this about 15, 20 foot bluff, just pretty much a, a sheer rock wall. Because, uh, you know, based on my camping experience, I always I want to be in the open. I always kind of want, you know, a perimeter per se, you know, um, and it's a, a camping trip that, you know, we're rafting, so you can't really bring, a, you know, didn't really have any weapons or very many supplies with us because it was just a one night overnight, you know, camping trip. So, but we had food in the camp and we're, we're uh, you know, just relaxing after a really long day of level three, level four rapids, uh, you know, all day long, we're exhausted, we're relaxing. It's about midnight and it's uh, Southern California. So I don't know uh, how many listeners are, are familiar with Southern California, but in the summer, you can't even you can't make a campfire anywhere. There's fire restrictions. It's it's kind of boring, you know, as far as camping goes. <laughs> you know, with that, uh, we just had a lantern in the middle, and we decided to shut it off. It was uh, a beautiful night. So many stars, like shooting stars. It was just gorgeous. I'm just kind of sitting in the darkness, literally, for about thirty to you know, 30 seconds to a minute after we shut the light off to just be in complete silence and, and decide we're just going to look at stars and relax. This thing from on top of the bluff, this let out this insane, I don't even want to pretend to replicate what it sounded like, but it was something to the effect of a <clears throat> kind of monstrous wow. growl somewhere between the Tyrannosaurus Rex from, from Jurassic Park and like a seal and a lion, like all mixed together, this guttural, terrifying growl. And it wasn't just, it wasn't a growl. It was a yell. Something was I, I yelling. Something was screaming at us from right there, from right on top of this bluff. And, you know, and it was, uh, you know, I mean, you could see me in the movie. I'm not the smallest guy in the world. My brother is bigger than I am. And our other friend is, is a pretty big guy. So There's just four men, you know, they're terrified uh, of this thing screaming at us. And it carried on for, uh, it, it could have been five seconds. It could have been 10 minutes. It was, it was petrifying. My first thought was, was not Bigfoot. It was, there's a bear. There's some kind of giant creature. We have food in the camp. And against all of my years of, of backwoods camping, you know, you never bring food into your camp, but this was a rafting trip. We're close to the river. We have our food. I put it in a tree, but I just hung it from a tree where I could put my hand and grab it. You know, it's right there. And I thought, Oh, I made a big mistake. We have food in the camp. You know, there's, there's some kind of animal. It wants our food. It's coming to camp. So I gathered everybody except for one of our friends who was in his tent and just went radio silent. He didn't make a peep. He was so scared that he couldn't even move. This thing is carrying on like it's, it was so insane. And I wow. thought it started to basically climb down the bluff. Rocks were coming down and things were coming down. My rational brain is like, this thing is coming down this rock face at us and we need to move. So I got, you know, that my brother and my other friend who were actually not in their tent hiding. 
And we backed up about 30 feet kind of down the hill a little bit. And this thing was carrying on. And I realized it's not coming down the hill. It's throwing rocks at us. Rocks are coming down the hill. It's stomping. It's carrying on. Rocks are coming down the hill. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it was terrifying. Something was trying to intimidate us. Uh, and it, uh, again, I, did I say terrifying enough times? It was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't really get scared like that. And it was going on and on and on. And it was so loud and so guttural. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard a lion or if anybody out there has ever heard a lion in real life at the zoo or whatever. And it does that like this <clears throat> thing that vibrates. You feel it vibrate in your chest, yeah. moving the air. It was like that, but 10 times more intense than anything I've ever experienced in my life. It was so, it vibrated you. It, it just vibrated your whole body. And then as, as quickly as it started, you know, and as abruptly as it started, it stopped. After 30 seconds, I mean, I can't even honestly say how long it went on. Like, so when you're in a terrifying moment, it could have been 10 seconds for all I know, but I'm pretty sure it was, it, it was at least a minute. And it stopped. And then, you know, you start to calm down and your rational brain takes over and, and, uh, you know, what was that, what's happening, you know, whatever you calming down, it's like, okay, we're not in danger. And then, you know, it's a line right out of the movie and not to plug the movie or anything, but you know, the, one of the characters says, you know, curiosity killed the cat and exactly what happened. I, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't sit. I couldn't go in the tent. I said to my brother, my friend said, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I need to go investigate. I have. This was an experience I've been camping my whole life. I've never experienced anything as terrifying as this and anything like this. So I, I go out and they, they were too afraid to stay at the camp by themselves. So we all, you know, the three of us, our other friend wouldn't even answer us talking to him through his tent. He was so petrified. He would talk for about two hours. So we go and we hike up around to the top of this bluff where this occurred. We, we never actually saw anything. It was just all, but it was right there. I mean, like I said, you could almost smell its breath, whatever it was. I mean, it was so, it was just right there in the darkness. So we go up there and I, I don't even think to look for prints or anything, but there's like a trail at the top of this bluff, like a, you know, a dirt roadish like trail and nothing. And we're looking for about 45 minutes all around everywhere. There's nothing. I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. There's nothing. And, you know, it's starting to get almost comical. Like, whoa, okay. What was that? What's happening? You know? So we walk about a hundred yards past where it happened on this little dirt road through the woods. And about a mile away, we hear it. <gasps> this thing just goes off about a mile away in, in the distance. And, my, and immediately I'm like, how did it get so far away? And we didn't hear anything. You know what I mean? And, it, and, yeah. and what is it watching so far away and screaming at us? And then back right where it happened, a hundred yards behind us, but in the in the bushes, in the woods there, this thing erupts behind us. The same thing that was screaming at us, the same scream, just not violent this time. And then the one off about a mile away returns and these things communicated back and forth. And we're in the middle of it. And they're communicating back and forth with each other, you know, five, six, seven times. And then it stopped. And that was it. And it happened from the woods right where we were. And we looked there and we're shining flashlights and, you know, nothing. There was nothing. So I don't know, you know, like it just, it was something to me. A hundred, my, my brother is on the fence. He doesn't know. My other friend, he can't, he can't let himself believe what it was. 
And I believe, you know, and at the time I didn't say Bigfoot. I just said it was, you know, that something happened. It's unexplained. And then I started researching the area and there's about three or four other claims of the same kind of thing, something intimidating the camp, something, whatever. And then there was like these guys from the Department of Water and Power that actually had a physical encounter with a creature while they were way out uh, fixing power lines somewhere. And it kind of came at them and they fired a shot at it, not to hurt it, but to scare it. And it's a documented encounter in that area. Uh, and then I started doing more investigating uh, about that, that, you know, Bigfoot supposedly, you know, if you're in their territory or whatever, whatever, they intimidate you and they try to scare you away. They're not necessarily violent creatures, not that we know of, but they do put on a violent display. So the more I started digging into other occurrences, the more it started to, you know, just coincide with exactly what happened to me and it was, you know, forever changed my life. It was, it was still, you know, the single most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me, but the most intriguing as well. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's incredible. I mean, and that's actually, you know, what you experience where you, you hear it, but you don't see it. You walk through that area, you didn't see anything, but then you hear it in that area. Uh, that's so typical of these Bigfoot encounters. I mean, uh, for something so large, they're incredibly stealthy and they just they just move with the forest. It's like it's like their living room. They know exactly where everything is. And uh, we're just kind of clueless when we're out there. Uh, that's a, that's an incredible encounter, man. Uh, the the volume of what you heard and stuff and the way you heard it yelling back and forth. And I mean, did it sound like it was like almost like a crazy man yelling? Or do you think it was more like it sounded like more like a gorilla or ape kind of thing? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, if I had to classify one or the other, I don't want to go typical. Oh, it's, it's a great ape, you know, like big sure. party, although it's what I believe, you know, it, it's something along those lines, but it definitely did not sound like a man. I, a man can't even reproduce the sound, you know? And yeah. uh, I said, I'm a fairly big guy and I go as guttural and as loud as possible. And it's not even, you don't feel any vibrations. It was something within such an enormous lung capacity that is built to make a sound like that, whether it's for communicating or, or intimidating or survival, whatever it is, that's what it was. I mean, gorillas make that same kind of sound, right? That guttural, if you hear them do their look like their uh, uh, kind of thing, you feel it. You don't, you don't just hear it. You feel it. It, it vibrates right. there. It, it, it's like a bass, you know, like a giant bass cabin. And, uh, and that's another thing I want to bring up. My, my uh, one friend who's a skeptic, he says, oh, someone hoaxed us. I said, someone hoaxed us, but we had the same experience. How, how is that a hoax? You know, he can't wrap his head around it. Oh, you're so silly. You know, and I said, okay, let's, let's go through the facts here. Right? You know, that happened, right? We, and we all heard it. Yeah. And we all felt it, right? So we're in agreement with the, the air move. That wasn't somebody yelling at us, right? No. So the air moved and we felt that, yes. So it was either a creature that could make a sound like that or it was an apparatus that was reproducing that sound, right? Right. Okay. So let's just say it was an apparatus reproducing that sound. You know, why would somebody intimidate, you know, four guys in a campsite that, that you know, could potentially harm them, you know what I mean? Like, you know, or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, and then not come clean with the practical joke or whatever. You know, that's one thing. Also, how did they get that apparatus into the woods silently and hide from us while we're looking through the woods with flashlights and everything. And then the most important thing, how did they have two of those, you know, devices of the apparatus to right. make the sound 
And why would they position them, you know, a mile apart and go back and forth and make those calls? And again, this was before, like I said, finding Bigfoot and where, you know, where they're making calls and you kind of, people started learning the mainstream behavior, you know, or, or the behavior became mainstream, you know, making calls and, and things like that. Uh, you know, so who, who did that and why would they do that? And how did they go undetected in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere? So it's, it's just not plausible. I mean, is it, is it possible? Sure. But why? You know, I, I just don't, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, and I experienced it. And I, you know, I get a lot of flack. Uh, I, I don't say flack. I get people poking fun at me, you know, about this kind of thing. And, and I just don't, I don't care. You know, like until it happens to you, I don't care what you say. You know, it happened to me. Whether you believe it or not, or you think I'm crazy or not, I, I'm not saying it to gain any publicity or anything. This is a story I've had that I've been telling for almost 10 years. You know, it's, uh, it, it happened and nothing will ever change that you know so right. that's my my story story When I hear you telling your story, honestly, man, like all I'm doing is I'm picturing the creature in the movie and stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could just tell the way uh, your experience affected the film itself. And uh, that's really cool because I, I actually have a friend who, uh, when him and I went out hiking a lot more than we do now, looking for this thing, uh, 
the one time we didn't go out together, he he met up with some guys that contacted us. They went out to an area here in Pennsylvania. He had some activity, and what he described the vocals like is exactly the way you described it too. It was like this loud, like ha 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 ha. It was like really scary, and they just they just hightailed it out of there. But they had other activity going on there as well. And I should probably have him on the show to share that experience actually. But um. It's very interesting how there's similarities in these experiences. You know, I'm in Pennsylvania, you're in California, and it's, there's this similarity. It's just, it's very uh, mystifying. Uh, while you were filming the the movie itself, you guys had another experience. What was that about? Well, we did, and it's, it's just weird and, again, unexplained. And I don't, I don't want it to sound like, you know, I have Bigfoot on the brain or whatever, but this is that we were shooting, we basically shot all around uh, the base of Mount St. Helens. So it's like real Bigfoot country. When we were shooting and staying in this town, Cougar, Washington, uh, we actually had people come, yeah, what are you guys doing? What's happening? What, you know, what are you doing? We tell them what we're doing. And, you know, people are coming out of the woodwork telling us their stories. And, you know, we were so, we ran into so much trouble shooting the film. Uh, sorry, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but we, we had so much trouble shooting the film uh, weather hit, you know, it started to snow. We, I mean, it was just all kinds of problems. So I wish we would have been a little bit more prepared to get a lot of these people and have their stories told and maybe put it like at, at the end credits, you know, as, as little interviews and stuff. We yeah. always plan on going back and getting it, but we never did, but we shot in, in, in Bigfoot country. So, uh, I, I thought it was fascinating. You know, I love, I love it. So, uh, but we were doing reshoots, um, let's say it was June of last year. Uh, we were shooting the, uh, we're not doing reshoots, but pickup shots. We were shooting all the, the camping scenes with my girlfriend, fiance. And we were way out in the middle of nowhere. We took a, a, a logging road, or a, a fire road in uh, way out, you know, in the middle of, uh, of the national forest. And with this one, you know, one dirt road in and we went in about seven o'clock, uh, you know, it was a very small crew. It was me, the, the director, our sound guy, uh, you know, uh, myself, another actor, and like one other person. And we were in the middle of nowhere. We drove in there. We set up, you know, we, we stacked up the rocks and we did the scene with the stack of rocks. And we did, you know, the scene, which uh, I don't want to give away too much for the film, but the scene, you know, the camping scene and the tent scene. And, and we had the, the woman, uh, Summer, who plays my fiance in the movie, who's a brilliant actress. Uh, she did some screams, you know, actual female screams, not Bigfoot screams. Although I did some Bigfoot calls in the middle of the night for fun uh, <laughs> myself from research. Uh, but we, we were out until about two in the morning, maybe three in the morning. We packed up all our gear and we started heading out. And on the way out, less than a quarter of a mile, maybe 150, 200 yards, just a little bit around the corner from where we were, there was a giant deadfall stump in the middle of the road. It was huge. It was huge. And it was just placed there. I know as crazy as it sounds and as weird as it sounds and, you know, that I have Bigfoot on the brain and, you know, you, whatever, it's not what it was. There were, you know, the, uh, my partner, Justin Lee, the writer director, he's 100% skeptical. He had, you know, he was, you know, flabbergasted. Everybody was with it. It was just insane. We had to drive around this thing. It wasn't there on the way in. And it, it was huge. It was huge. So everybody was so terrified. Um, and, and the uh, summer, the, the actress was, you know, she didn't want us to stop the, the car. You know, we had two cars. So we all went around and we drove out and uh, 
you know, we got, you know, kind of civilization. We pulled over and, and, you know, stopped to, you know, the other car, the other guys. And I said, you guys saw the stump, right? And they're like, yeah, how did that get there? Cause it wasn't there when we drove in. I'm like, I have no idea. And it was late and everybody was tired. So the next day we wrap shooting at another location and it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And it's on the other side of the mountain. So Justin, my partner, Justin Lee, and I, you know, every sent everybody else home and I said, let's go back and check that out. You know, it's just me and you, you know, we're wrapped, we're done shooting with, let's go. So we drove, it took us two and a half hours or so to get back to the site. And we drove up to the stump and we got out and we investigated it. And, uh, it literally is a, an old stump that looked like it was ripped out of the forest. It was from a deadfall tree. And it had to weigh at least six, 700 pounds. I couldn't, I couldn't budget. It wasn't dragged there. It wasn't buried in the ground. It was, it was just dropped in the middle of the road and nobody else was out there. So what did it? I have no idea. I'm not saying it was Bigfoot, not saying anything, but so we investigated that. Then we went back to where we were shooting and we were shooting down uh, like a little bit of a, you know, down a hill in a field around the corner for some trees, very remote, very private, where I stacked up all those rocks from the film. And if you see the film, you'll see it. And I, I went back and looked at them. This was the next night, again, in the middle of nowhere, and they were knocked over. And they weren't just knocked over, but they were like scattered. So hmm. I, I had the, the hair on my neck stood up and it was late yeah. and it was dark and it was just he and I in the middle. He was up by the car and I was down there and I just kind of hurried back up to the car and I'm like, you know, like, eh, eh, you know, I'm good. We should just, <laughs> let's, let's go. You know, this is weird. What's happening. So again, I don't know, you know, I don't want to grasp at straws and say it was Bigfoot or anything, but we were in Bigfoot country. We were making a lot of noise and Bigfoot calls for fun and screaming and all the kinds of things that you do with it. They say attract, you know, attention to you and, uh, you know, a woman screaming over and over again for a shot in a movie. So that was pretty unusual behavior that you would probably do when you're in the woods. And uh, then there was a huge stump in the middle of the road that, that it looked like it was an attempt to block us from leaving. So I don't know how it got there. And I don't know who would drop a giant stump. In there. And it wasn't, like I said, it was a dead ball stump. It wasn't cut. It was like, you know, from an old tree that had fallen off somewhere in the woods. And it was on a hard packed road in the middle of the road. And it was on top of the leaves that had already fallen on the, on the road. So it wasn't like it had been there and we just didn't notice it. It was gigantic. So uh, that was that encounter. I'm not, and so it leaves, you know, nobody has an answer for it. And even uh, my partner, Justin, he, uh, uh, he has no idea, you know, and he, and he's like, I, I hate you for even making me doubt my doubts. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's so, uh, you know, and so that was that was that, and that was wild yeah. filming a bigfoot. Wow, so that's it's an unusual one, but happened. No, and that that's the thing. I mean, you're out there definitely in bigfoot territory. I mean, uh, I, I have a friend in Washington State, and most of the audience knows who it is, Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles, and he had a bigfoot encounter in Washington State, and uh, it's it's you know, Bigfoot territory. It's, it's the, it's the spot that people talk about seeing these things and you're out there filming a movie, definitely doing things that even hikers don't do to draw attention. You know, like you're filming, you're, you're redoing, you know, lines and all that stuff. I mean, I can imagine you attracted some attention and the, the idea of that stump being on the road. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of that. I mean, people talk about how they go into areas and then when they come back out, 
they see this tree laying across the road or stumps laying across the road. And it's like, it's almost like they're saying, don't come back here, you know? <laughs> so uh, it, it's, yeah. it's definitely curious to say the least and definitely common in these people's encounters with Bigfoot. Now uh, with Bigfoot, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on the topic of Bigfoot? I mean, what do you think this is? Do you think it, cause I mean, if you looked into it at all, you probably saw how people, you know, some people think it's an animal. Some people think it's some kind of like paranormal type creature. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, cause there's so many different people's experience when it comes to this. I definitely think it's an, an animal. Um, I don't, I don't feel it's supernatural. I, I think, you know, we have, guys that are trained in the military that wear ghillie suits and go out and, you know, and you don't detect them. They get within, you know, a hundred yards of their target or closer, you know, in, in, you know, uh, military missions and you, nobody detects them, you know, and, and that's a man with a suit on, not, not an animal that lives and breathes in the woods and hiding is part of its survival strategy. So I think, again, it's very naive for us to think that we have discovered everything and there can't be a giant, you know, bipedal creature hiding in plain sight, you know, in, in well, right. plain sight, but in the fleet populated, you know, woods. Like how, you know, I, I say to my friends who don't believe me, I say, you know, well, gorillas technically weren't discovered until, you know, within the last hundred years, you know, yeah. and that's modern day. And these are gorillas we have in the zoo. You know, there we're finding new species all the time. So why are you so sure that there is not an animal that that is highly intelligent, highly skilled at evading, uh, you know, capture or just humans in general? I mean, it's smart enough to know that that we are the enemy, you know, but curious enough to want to, you know, to cross paths with us every now and again. But, uh, you know, so I think it's just some highly evolved you know super smart creature that that lives in the woods whether it's you know it's hard to say you know is it a you know descendant of uh, you know homo sapien or you know is it a, is it uh you know a great ape of some sort it, it's very hard to say uh but it you know i definitely think it exists and it is a regular living breathing animal we just haven't I, I think we've identified it. We just haven't classified it or gotten a, a, an actual sample, but lots of people have seen it. So yeah. I think it has been identified. We just haven't, science hasn't identified it. And I, I say again about the, the gorillas, you know, I talk to friends about that and they say, you know, they say, oh no, that's, that's not true. We knew that, you know, people had been seeing them for years, but they just never, you know, <laughs> captured them or whatever. And I'm like, oh, are you listening to yourself? Yeah. You're saying the exact same thing. You know, and they're like, well, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what. So, you know, that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. It's like they made, they made your point for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And I just don't, I don't get, it's so funny with people who believe, you know, they believe so passionately and somebody like myself who had an experience, you know, I believe so passionately. I don't, I don't preach it to everybody I speak to. I'm not, you know, like that, but if it ever comes up, I, I don't hide the fact that I'm a believer, but I find that people disbelieve so much more passionately than people who do believe. And I'm sure you find the same thing. It's like, yeah. why do you argue so much about something you don't know? You know, why is it so fun for you to naysay it, you know, and say it's not true? 
you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get what drives people to disbelieve so hard. It's, it's fine to, to not believe in it, you know, in, in anything, aliens or ghosts or Bigfoot, but it's, it's another thing to hate on the people that do believe. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's Sometimes I, I feel like, cause when it comes to the whole topic of the flat earth thing, there's a lot of people that that's gaining traction with. And uh, I've noticed that the people who are one side or the other, they, they're very extreme. And the people who are, you know, you know, thinking, you know, flat earth is ridiculous. Uh, they tend to do what you just described. They, they almost get nasty with trying to, you know, defend the heliocentric model. And it's like, I wonder sometimes if it's that people that don't believe these anything, whether it's Bigfoot, ghosts, aliens, whatever. I wonder if it's because they almost feel like their intelligence is being insulted by the topic even being discussed. Uh, I don't know, but I'm not that kind of person. I'm always willing to listen to anybody's, you know, encounter stories or their ideas of what, you know, the earth is flat around. I don't care. Like, you know, I just enjoy the conversation, you know? Agreed. And I would never, you know, I don't hate on anybody's religious beliefs or you know, Bigfoot beliefs, alien beliefs, uh, Loch Ness monster, you know, anything mermaids. If you believe it and you're not hurting me by yeah. telling your story, you know, I, I don't have to agree with you, but I'm certainly not going to hate on you for your belief. And that right. goes for anything. So yeah, it's funny. So it's interesting. You know, since, you know, almost 10 years ago, you've had this Bigfoot experience that kind of got you interested in the topic do you actually ever go out there with the intention of doing, you know, some investigations out in the woods and stuff? Or do you, cause you sound like a, a guy who enjoys being outdoors, doing the canoeing and things like that. Like, uh, do you actually ever go out there looking or do you just hike around the woods? And if you see something, you see something, you make note of it. Uh, no, well, uh, I'm an avid camper. I mean, I, I have, uh, two children, two very young children. So I haven't been in a few years, uh, but my wife and I go, and my best friends and I go, and I grew up camping in the Adirondacks in New York. Now I, you know, now I'm in California, so we mostly go out here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have trail cameras and things, and we got we when we go camping, and I go really remote camping. I mean, we we drive in as far as we can, and then hike for days. You know, and camp out for you yeah. know, four or five nights nights, and we go very remote. You know, freeze dried food, the whole thing. Uh, and yeah, I'm always actively looking and making calls, and, you know, doing all that stuff. Uh, part of it is for fun, but the other part is, you know, I, I'm so curious and, and why not? Maybe this will be the time, you know, maybe right. this will be the time that I see it. And, and I don't even necessarily need to catch it on camera or video. I, I want to see it for myself. And again, I don't care, you know, if anybody believes me, but I would also like it to be discovered and protected. You know, I'm one of those people. Uh, I don't want somebody to, to find it and kill it and, you know, kill it, kill them. Obviously I believe there's more than one. I don't think there's just one big foot, you know, running around. Right. There, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, uh, who doesn't want to be the guy that discovers it and, and classifies it and saves it, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's part of the, it's, it's to me, it's a, it's a modern day, I don't want to say fantasy, but it's like, you know, you watch an Indiana Jones movie. And you're like, oh, wouldn't that be great to go find the Holy Grail or go find, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. And it's a, it's an adventure and it's it's a modern day adventure that you can have. 
you know, uh, based on, on an experience that I really had and it's, it's exciting. And why wouldn't you add that level of excitement into your life? I would rather be a believer and, and have fun, you know, doing something with my wife or my children or my friends or even myself than, you know, be a hater and, you know, or not, I shouldn't say, a hater, but a non-believer or, or anything and, and not enjoy that part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm on the same boat as you, man. Like, I I don't actually get to go out in the woods as much as I used to. With my show, it just keeps me very busy. But, you know, when you go out there, it's just for me, it's I want to go out there and have fun. I, I enjoy being in the woods. I'm like you. I love going off trail. I love going way off trail. Uh, and it's just for me, it's about the journey. And if I ever come across something that is of interest or I actually see one, it's an added bonus. But for me, I just really enjoy being out in the middle of the woods, off the trail, away from everybody. I, I like getting lost. You know what I mean? So uh, it's just it's a fun thing for me. Uh, but Kevin, thanks for coming on here. And before we get out of here, the movie is Big Legend. Where can people find it? Uh, it comes out July 3rd, and you can see it on, on basically every on-demand platform, iTunes and PlayStation, Xbox, uh, Vudu. You can see it on all the on-demand platforms, Comcast and DirecTV, Dish Network. You can pre-order on Amazon right now on DVD. July 3rd, you can get it in Walmart and Best Buy. So, uh, you know, if you're online, you can see it, and if you're in a store, you can buy it. So, uh, yeah, we're very proud of it. And just to just to put an honest Bigfoot movie out there, you know, so it's fun. Yeah. Well, also the trailer is, is all over. If you want to check out the trailer, it's on YouTube. Just type in big legend. It's, it's out there. Yeah. And I'll put the uh, trailer in the show notes here on the website so that people can go right there and check it out if they'd like. Uh, but Kevin, I'll tell you what, man, I really appreciate talking to you. You had some great stories to share with the audience and I highly recommend people checking out this movie i just watched it today it's a phenomenal movie check it out big legend coming out july 3rd on any platform you can uh, purchase movies so check it out and kevin thank you very much thank you i appreciate it thanks a lot Okay, well, that was Kevin. And Kevin, thanks again for coming on the show and talking about your movie coming out called Big Legend, which is going to drop on July 3rd. Up next, we have Andy coming on to talk about his UFO encounters, and we'll get into it right after this. What a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds, dark up above. The sun's in my heart, and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I've a smile on my face. I walk down the lane with a happy refrain. Just singing, singing in the rain. Oh, 
singing in the rain. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. It's actually one of our patrons, Andy. Andy, how you doing, man? Good, good. Good, good. So uh, you have a very interesting story to share tonight. I, I, when I read this email, I thought it was pretty fascinating. For one, because so many people saw what you saw. And uh, even though you may not have had you know, people telling you what they saw, their version of it, the fact is you saw and you knew other people saw what you were seeing. So uh, why don't you just kind of walk us into what happened? What were you doing that night with your friends that you know put you in a situation to experience what you experienced? Sure. Uh my friends, Chris and Steve, me and Chris were going to go over to Steve's house and hang out for beers. Uh, he had this big, nice side porch that was great, but him and his girlfriend were in a little spat. So we took his Dalmatian and some beers and walked down to the corner. And I'm going to be naming streets. This is actually in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's important to the story. Okay. Uh, we walked down to the bend of this road called Baker Street. Uh, where we stood on Baker Street, you have a, a big commanding view of uh, the Tennessee River. Uh, Coolidge Park is in front of you, which uh, runs, you know, it's right on the Tennessee River. And you can see four bridges. Uh, Chattanooga is a real bridge-happy city. There's lots and lots of bridges going over the Tennessee River. Uh, we're standing there talking, uh, drinking our beers. And out of the, my peripheral vision, uh, this would have been about my, uh, about my two o'clock, uh, as the actual distance, probably a little over a mile away, I see this, what looked peach colored because of the distance away object and peach is about the best color I can use to describe it. Uh, as I got closer, I saw that that wasn't the case, but uh, uh, peach best describes the color. And it was flying over the old Jotty Bridge. Uh, the old Jotty Bridge is the the, the furthest one, uh, you know, away from me at this point. Okay. It goes over the old Jotty Bridge, dips down slightly toward the surface of the Tennessee River. And as it closes in on the Market Street Bridge, it's a, a expansion bridge built in like in the 1920s. Uh, it rises up and crosses the Market Street Bridge and the Walnut Street Bridge and then dips back down to probably, I don't know, 20 meters over the Tennessee River. Hard to tell. It was at this point that I realized that it, it wasn't making a sound. And, you know, if it were some sort of aircraft, by the time it got this close, it would have been making a sound. You know, we, we could have heard something. If it had been a helicopter, it would have been loud. I mean, real loud by this time. Right. And as it flies over the surface of the river, I noticed that it's not peach colored. It's alternating lights. Uh, like yellow, uh, yellow kind of a subdued orange color and kind of a, 
I don't want to say hot pink, kind of a, a dull red. Uh, as a child in the 70s, I had heard uh, UFOs described uh, time and time again as cigar shaped, which, uh, you know, for the longest time I thought was ludicrous. But looking at this thing in front of me, the best thing to describe the shape was cigar shaped. And, you know, the lights pulsing, uh, it was, uh, you know, we were freaked out. We were really freaked out. Uh, at this time, you know, there was no, it's as though nobody else saw it. We're, but we're talking at like 6.30, 6.40 p.m., like on a weekday in the summer, July, maybe early August. Uh, rush hour would have already petered out, but there would have still been a fair amount of traffic. Uh, as this object closes in on the tallest of the bridges, and you know the newest of the bridges, probably built in the 70s, uh, I was a little kid, uh, it rises up dramatically at nearly, uh, not vertical, but a pretty sharp angle, and goes over the Veterans Bridge. Uh, Veterans Bridge is closest to me, at my vantage point. Now, if you look at Google Earth, where I'm standing, there's actually a mansion there now. But in 1999, it was just a lot uh, with a with a big concrete retaining wall. Pretty high vantage point over that part of the Chattanooga Riverfront. We were probably 150 feet above river level. And as this thing goes over the Veterans Bridge at roughly my 11 o'clock, roughly five or six hundred yards away you hear brakes locking down people jumping on their brake pedal and you know we're talking like 1999 2000 uh cars didn't have autonomous braking and abs and all that stuff uh all these uh, brakes start locking up so you hear the squealing uh on the veterans bridge and you actually hear one fender bender it didn't sound major but uh, all of these people, it had to have been uh, at least dozens on the Veterans Bridge saw this thing the same time we did. Uh, as it goes and completes its travel over the Veterans Bridge, it takes a sharp left. And that is a, a school called GPS, Girls Preparatory School. It's where rich people send their daughters. Uh, it goes real slow. It, it actually slows down maybe 50% as it's going toward the school. And then it goes up at a slight arc and seems to pause and then takes off so fast that it's almost as though it disappeared. I perceived it going off in a northern direction, but it took off so fast that if you'd have blinked, it would have just disappeared. Wow. And that was pretty much it. Uh, you had all these stunned people on the bridge. There were probably a half a dozen cars that were just stopped on the bridge. Other people had, you know, went on with their life and, you know, resumed down the road. Uh, we were freaked out. It was uh, uh, my friend Steve, and this is, and whether this means anything or not, uh, you tell me. It could be just the way his mind is made or the, you know, the way he's built, the way his psyche is. My friend Steve, me and him can talk about it to this day, and we're still freaked out. 
and we're talking what 19 years ago something like that Mm -hmm. my friend chris to this day doesn't want to talk about it and tried to forget it right there on the spot it was the most bizarre thing i've ever seen how do you you couldn't talk how do you mean i'm sorry but how how do you mean he tried to forget it on the spot i mean was that something that you was was he just not acknowledging it it was it it it's as though, and yeah, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it because it's not really pertinent to the story, but it was like he was so shocked by what he saw, he couldn't believe it, and his mind was trying to make it something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. People are in denial about what they actually see, even though it was right there in front of them. And to this day, leading up to mine and your interview, I talked to him like three days ago. He didn't want to talk about it then either. It was really weird. And like I said, I probably shouldn't have even brought it up. It's probably not. <laughs> but uh, it, it was just really a strange thing. Uh, I had uh, never seen any kind of uh, unidentified flying object before or after that. And uh, for years, uh, probably the last time that I Googled it and found good hits and good information was probably as recently as 2009 or 10. If you Google it now, you got to dig pretty hard. I don't know if you've done that. No, I didn't get a chance but, to. Uh, I remember seeing the picture you sent me, though, of the river and the bridges that you were talking about. Exactly, exactly. Uh, for years and years, uh, people, you know, had their accounts, you know, or there was a few. And the thing about it is, is uh, there was another UFO sighting in Chattanooga in 1999 also. And when you do the searches, uh, you get the one at the airport. What uh, happened? Probably. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, just some people uh, at an airport, at the Chattanooga Airport Terminal and an observation deck that they used to have. Uh, after 9-11, they closed the observation deck. But uh, there used to be a rooftop observation deck uh, where people hung out. And a lot of people up there actually saw some stuff, uh, some unidentified flying objects uh, coming in on the same trajectory as jets that were landing. But back then, you know, people didn't have cell phone cameras, so uh, to my knowledge, there's no footage of it. Okay. But uh, that's my UFO tale. <laughs> well, that's, uh, it's very interesting, man. I'll tell you, if you could uh, rewind for me a little bit here now, this thing went over, let's see here, went over three bridges, and then it got to the Veterans Bridge, which is the fourth bridge, and it went over that one as well, right? Exactly. Okay. And The, the biggest gap in distance is between, see, the old Jotty Bridge, the, there's a big gap between that. The Market Street Bridge and the Walnut Street Bridge are side by side, very close, you know, like 100 yards apart. Okay. But, so... And, and the two big gaps between the old Jotty and the market and between the Walnut and the veterans, it dipped down close to water level, but it was the big gap between the uh, Walnut Street Bridge and the Veterans Bridge that it got down pretty close to the water. Okay. So you see this thing and it goes over the bridge. Now, I'm assuming there was probably cars on the other bridges too, and they might have been locking their brakes up. It's just too far away for you to hear. Is that the case, you think? That's the assumption I'm making, yes. Okay. Now, this thing goes over the Veterans Bridge, and at that point, what does it do again? It slows down. It 
like draw after it ta- it goes almost vertical, goes over the bridge. People are locking down their brakes. It goes and takes a left turn, like it's heading toward the school. Uh, at the time it's taking the left turn, it slows down probably fifty percent or more. Wow! And then it comes to a uh, as it gets toward the school, it gets even slower and slower. Where it never stops, but it gets very slow. And we're sitting there fixated on it, and it just takes off so fast that you could barely see it take off. So it slows down as it heads to the school, and then it just takes off. Exactly. The school sits on a steep hill. This uh, is a school that's probably 100 years old that sits on about a 45-degree angle on on a hill. So... The tree line that it's going, it's over the treetops on these big old trees that surround the school. So it's going up. As it's going toward the school or actually over the school, it's going at an angle. It's going at an upward arc, but it, it you know, it's uh, going perpendicular from the river now at this point. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that that's very interesting to me. Now, when you saw this thing and you said it was a cigar a cigar shape, uh, were you able to actually see the physical craft itself, or was it too much light around it? Because I mean, you saw this thing at a time where it was still daylight, right? Because it was during the summertime, six, seven o'clock at night. Exactly. So it's daylight. You see the lights. So I'm assuming the lights themselves were pretty bright in order for you to see them. Uh, were you able to see the craft at all? You. You you didn't you couldn't see like uh, like if it were an airplane where you could see a metal surface, but you could see that the lights were attached to something. Okay. Any any detail of what that was or any hint at the structure, you know, uh, and the lights weren't incredibly bright. Uh, it, it's it, it's hard to describe because I've never seen light of that quality before or after. If that makes any sense. That's interesting. Because, I mean, we have like LED lights and all that stuff. And you're saying it's totally different. Uh, it seemed to be at the time. Uh, okay. But, you know, we're talking, you know, pushing 20 years ago. Yeah. So. Hmm, that's really that's really but, interesting. Uh, now, when you see this thing and it's going over the Veterans Bridge, I think when, that's when you said it was as close as it ever was to you when it was going over the bridge, right? Exactly. Now, how far were you from it then at that point, roughly? Uh, 500 yards, if not closer. And as it took its arc, you know, it crossed the bridge at my 11 o'clock, maybe. And as it arced over to the left toward the GPS, it actually got closer. It might have been under 400 yards away from us. And okay. when it disappeared... Uh, of course, you know, we turned to, you know, we, we rotated to follow it, but assuming that I was still facing the Tennessee river when it vanished, you know, when it took off real fast, it would have been, if I was facing the river, it would have been at my, uh, Oh, nine o'clock. Okay. Gotcha. Um, well, that's really interesting to me that it was so close to you. Uh, and you didn't you didn't hear any sound at all the whole time, right? That's what freaked me out. It, it made no sound. Hmm. That's uh, that's the one of the most memorable aspects of the whole thing. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I I talk to people that have seen these things and they describe similar things as far as sound goes and things like that. Uh, and just to be sure, as far as clarify, clarifying goes, when you saw this thing take off, it was completely silent at that time too, right? You didn't hear anything. Oh, not not a sound. Okay. Because, you know, when I, when I was a kid, my dad would tell me stories of when he had seen uh, a couple UFOs at one time. And it was at nighttime. They were hovering. They were coming real slow, hovering over a, a valley where him and his, his brothers and sisters were playing. And long story short, these things jet off real fast. Uh, I'm having a hard time remembering, though, if he said he ever heard anything. I think he told me it was completely silent. Uh, it's a very common thing with these things. Uh, and the fact that we see these things a lot and they're different shapes, sizes, different kinds of lights, uh, you know, it's just it's very interesting. Now, uh, you've had a lot of time to think about this. So uh, what, what, what do you think was going on that for the fact that I'm assuming this thing probably could have just hovered above the water the whole time when underneath the bridges, the fact that it, it, it decided to rise up and go over these bridges the way it did. Uh, it drawing attention to itself. Do do you have any any kind of theories as to what was going on that day? Is why why was it maneuvering that way? Uh, no clue, no clue. Uh, all of the accounts that I've read, this was kind of unique. Uh, you know, I've read read and seen. Well, you know, nowadays you, just, you can watch videos, but uh, all the UFO accounts in the modern era anyway, where, you know, they're out in the open and visible to plenty of people. Uh, they still didn't behave like the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. The one you saw was very unique, definitely unique. And that, and that, I, I just feel like it, it, it seems like it was controlled by something intelligent and whatever intelligence was controlling it was doing things with purpose. It wasn't just hovering and shooting back and forth in the sky. It, it came in close and maneuvered around large structures during the daylight with plenty of witnesses. Like that to me seems yeah. like intentful, you know? Yeah. And it, it had some size to it. You know, uh, I grew up a Navy brat, uh, spent some time on Naval air stations as a child, you know, and, and, and as an adult also. Uh, you know, I got an idea of, of what size aircraft are. You know, people oftentimes are shocked at how big certain models of helicopter are. Yeah. If they've never seen one in person, that sort of thing. Uh, and this thing, it wasn't small. It was not small. Let me ask you another question. Uh, you said it was cigar-shaped. and I, This is something I've always wondered. When you look at the classic, like when somebody says it was a disc, if you look at a disc at a certain angle, it would look like a cigar shape. But what you saw, are you saying that, that what you saw was legit like a cigar shape, like it was long and thin? There was no disc-like at all about it? Seemed to be. But as it traveled, and this is weird, as it traveled, it seemed to maintain its side profile. Like it didn't turn to where we could see it more three dimensionally, if that makes any sense. It was weird. Right. You know, something like that. As it travels, you would suspect that as your that as its position changed in relation to your vantage point, you would see it more three dimensionally. But no, this was not the case. It was weird. 
It really is weird. You know, and the fact that so many people saw it, not even just your friends, but you're talking about people who are locking their brakes up on the on the bridges and things like that. I mean, clearly people have saw this and like your friend who tried forgetting it. You know, there's times that you hear people tell stories of how, you know, th- something traumatic happened and they just don't talk about it. it. What's interesting with your situation is two of the three people talk about it, but one person decided that they didn't want to talk about it and they're trying to forget about it. Uh, it it's very interesting how people react to the same situation. Everybody experienced the same thing, but people react to it differently. Uh, it's the same thing with like these traumatic events. Like, uh, for instance, the Vegas shootings that happened last year. You know, I had I did a show about that, and Rick came on and he shared his experiences and stuff. Well, since then he went into counseling. His wife went into counseling, and you know he handled counseling different than his wife, and he just he it was like a non-issue for him. He handled it a different way. Where you know because of this event, he dove into trying to learn and understand what happened to him that day. What was going on? He wanted the answers and truth, and that's what drove him. And that's how he kind of started healing from the event. His wife, on the other hand, needed to see counseling. And it's just very interesting how people react to the same situation totally differently. You know what I mean? I uh, I believe at the end of the day, people remember what they want to remember. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so your your friend that is trying to forget and stuff, do you think that that's something that like he pretty much successfully forgets about it until you bring it up? Yeah, and it. Uh, uh, I want to say two or three days ago, when I talked, oh, let's see, what is today? Today's Wednesday. I guess this would have been Sunday. When I talked to him Sunday for the first time in like a year and a half, he uh, he was annoyed that I brought it up. <laughs> He's probably thinking, man, Andy just won't let this thing go. <laughs> yeah. Well, when this show airs and stuff, you can send him a link and say, hey, listen to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Andy, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your experience with me. Uh, before we get out of here and stuff, generic question. What are your thoughts on UFOs? Do you think that there's different types of UFOs or do you think that they're coming from outer space? What are your thoughts on that whole topic? Well, I know they exist because I've seen one. Uh I think it's arrogant to believe that we're the uh, only intelligent life in the universe. Uh, uh, I don't accept that. So, so yeah, yeah, that's, uh, there's a possibility of it being interdimensional, of course, but, you know, uh, I would say it's probably alien. Okay. Uh, some sort of, some sort of intelligent alien life form. Uh, they maybe been coming here a long time. Yeah, I mean, when you look through the history of man, there's these legends of these spacemen that come, you know. So uh, clearly, there's been something going on for a long time, and you know whether it's interdimensional see it in hieroglyph. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you see it in, in ancient writings and things like that. So uh, clearly, it's been going on for a long time, and uh, you know what it is. Who knows? I mean extraterrestrial sure i mean it would explain a lot as far as how how our technology has advanced so fast over the last 50 years i mean it's insane never before in our at least in our memory of history have we advanced this fast as a human species uh with technological growth i mean it's incredible and it's not slowing down i mean just think about now that we're 2018 in the year 2000 when we turned into this century Think about how much technology has changed and advanced our lifestyle since then. Uh, it's incredible, and it makes you wonder sometimes if you know we're 
we have the help of uh, technology that didn't come from this earth. You know what I mean? It's just interesting. Well, I mean, people speculate about what goes on at Area 51. Area, uh, yeah, and, and many other places, too. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 a lot of people believe that they have, uh, they have had advanced alien technology, advanced extraterrestrial technology, you know, for decades and decades, and that is what's pushing our, our technology boom. It's, it's an interesting theory. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely interesting theory. And your story is very interesting as well, sir. And I really appreciate you sharing it. Um, very interesting how this thing maneuvered and stuff. I just find it curious. It did it with intent. And uh, I just find it very curious, very curious, because the, I just want to know why. You know, why did it maneuver that way? You know, <laughs> But it's an answer that we probably never find out. Yeah. But uh, Andy, thank you for coming on, and uh, give me a call if you ever happen to see anything. I know you haven't. You said you haven't seen anything since then, but if you ever do, just let me know. Right, right, will do. All right, well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And remember, like I said last week, if you are a musician and you love this show, please consider making a show outro for me to play at the end of episodes. All it has to be is two to five minutes long, no cursing, recorded on decent equipment, and it has to have the show's name, The Confessionals, in the lyrics somewhere, somewhere in the lyrics. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Sit is breaking down on a camel's back They just have to go cause they don't know where So all you fill the streets is appealing to see You won't get undercounted cause you stand damn free You got a new horizon, it's ephemeral style A melancholy town where we never smile And all I wanna hear is the message beep My dreams they gotta kiss me cause I don't get sleep, no Don't stop cheating, cheating
Ha <laughs> ha